1: Well, I couldn't resist trying to find out more about that in the last 15 seconds. Did we just have a little ad for a show called The Midwitch Cuckoos? I can't leave that alone. I had never heard of The Midwitch Cuckoos before, and now I feel somewhat foolish that I have not, because apparently it's a novel that came out in 1957 by English author John Wyndham. I'm off our old friend Wikipedia. Here's the book summed up in one sentence. My, oh, my, this sounds pretty good. It tells the tale of an English village in which the women become pregnant by brood parasitic aliens. Well, that is right up my alley. I, it sounds like they've maybe made some modifications for the television show. I got to get that date. I think it said September something for the midwitch cuckoos. There you go. Well, I've been called a bit of a cuckoo over the course of my life as well. And we'll see if we get a little cuckoo tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. The Blue Jays, uh, well, they're getting bashed by the Orioles so far tonight. 5-1, the O's leading that one, and they are batting in the bottom of the third. We'll keep an eye on that game. And uh, Monday night, speaking of television, that means, oh baby, second last episode of Better Call Saul. I'm going to watch it right after the show. As uh, Yeah, two, two episodes left. They got tonight, they got next week. That's it for Better Call Saul. One of, in my opinion, the greatest television shows of all time. Maybe soon to be trumped by the Midwich Cuckoos. We'll see. All right. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Hope you had a pretty good weekend. Though, if uh, you're an Edmonton sports fan, perhaps between the hours of 8 and 11 p.m. on Saturday night, your weekend was not very good, regardless of what else you were doing. Or maybe you didn't even make it uh, to the end of that game. Certainly, well, I I think the team felt there was a little bit more optimism going into that game. I was trying to be a little bit more optimistic. And for about 10 minutes or so, it seemed like the optimism was well-founded. And then Nathan Rourke and company went to work and just chewed up the Elks for the second time this season. uh, 14-7 after the first quarter. 37-7 after the second quarter and the second half was uh, really just a formality. It wouldn't have mattered if it would have ended 80-14, 35-14, 46-14 was the ultimate final score as the Elks dropped to 2-6 and six on the season. A-, a few things from that game, and I-, I think it has to be acknowledged that Nathan Rourke is absolutely outstanding. And he has not just done this to the Elks. He has done this... Pretty much every team he's played against this season. I I, I guess against the, uh, um, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, he didn't have quite as good a game. But he has uh, thrown for at least two touchdowns in every game he's played. He has thrown for at least 250 yards in every game he has played. He threw for 436 against Toronto earlier in the season. Uh, he topped that against the Elks on Saturday night. His stats almost don't make sense from that game. He was 34 for 37. That's 92% completion. 477 yards and five touchdowns. I got a text from a buddy during that game, and my buddy is a prolific player at a video game called Madden. You may have heard of it. You may have heard of the gentleman it's named after. And uh, my buddy said, Nathan Rourke is like me playing Madden because my buddy plays it enough. He knows all the defenses. He he knows what's going to happen, and you just pick people apart. And that's what Nathan Rourke did to the Elks. Again, uh, he's done it to pretty much, I mean, only six incompletions against Saskatchewan in a game. 22 for 30 against Hamilton. Uh, 39 for 45 in that game I mentioned against Toronto. Now, he, he torched the Elks worse than he's torched most other teams, except for that Toronto game, but he's still doing it consistently. And I, I, we talked about this last week. To me, he is the number one story in the CFL this season. I, I, and I know there's a team that's 9-0. and But we kind of expected the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to be pretty good. And they're probably not going to go unbeaten, as Bob Irving told me on Friday night. Well, he he said they won't go unbeaten. Still half the season to go. Nathan Rourke is a Canadian quarterback. And I have to admit, at the start of the season, I didn't know what to expect. And he is absolutely just lighting up the entire league. Now, I I also know, I got a, a text from another buddy during the game on Saturday who said, how long before Nathan Rourke... Is uh, in the National Football League. Even if he goes and is a, is a team's second or third string quarterback, he's going to make more than he can in the CFL. Well, I want you to remember something here, and this shows you the uh, how the perception of players, and perhaps a, a reminder sometimes of the of the divide that exists between the two leagues. Nathan Rourke had a workout with the New York Giants last May. They worked him out at wide receiver, so they didn't even look at him at quarterback. He's 6'1", 210 pounds. And in uh, NFL terms for a quarterback, that would be a small quarterback. And, yes, I know there have been shorter, skinnier guys to succeed. Uh, You know, Drew Brees, uh, not a big guy. But just for comparison, Michael Riley, who played for the Lions and, of course, won the Cup here in Edmonton in 2015, 6'3", 230. And Nathan Rourke, 6'1", 210. So I think this is worth remembering here. And, look, maybe some team will give him a look. Maybe he goes down for a year like Ricky Ray did and and, and you see what happened. I I don't know if that's going to happen. But now, I mean, this is transformative for the Lions. He's 24 years of age. Do they have a Canadian quarterback who is incredibly accurate and quite mobile for the next 10 to 15 years? I mean, quarterbacks, if they're good, can play into their late 30s. No problem these days if they stay healthy. Really just stunning what he is doing. And those stats, again, against the Elks, 34 for 37. That's 91.9% completion, 477 yards, five touchdowns. Didn't even need to play the entire game. Uh, you know, he was, they were pounding the Elks so badly. So he is amazing. Good players are hard to stop. I don't know if he's ever going to go to the NFL. I mean, this could be a guy, and and look, is he going to get as rich as he would as NFL quarterbacks, well, of course not. But I mean, he's he's probably going to make half a million dollars a season from the BC Lions at least as he goes throughout his career. So he'll still do uh, he'll still do pretty well. That it just some of the throws he made, the ball is exactly where it, it needs to be. Um, I mean, the Elks sacked him early. Part of what was somewhat a positive start for Edmonton, they pressured him what maybe a couple times, but even then, he can get away. Somebody I know whose opinion I trust when it comes to the Canadian Football League offered a comparison of Doug Flutie when it came to Nathan Rourke. Now, I am not there yet, and I told this person, whoa, 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 let's pump the brakes. Um, but I suppose you can see where that's, uh, where that's coming from. So you have to give credit to his excellent play. And I, I, I'm in touch with quite a few people during games with text messages and stuff like that, and uh, somebody very frustrated said to me, why, why don't they just stop him? And I said, hey, that's what uh, teams were saying about Ricky Ray nineteen, twenty years ago. Just stop him. Th- the good ones, the great ones don't get stopped. Now, having said that, the Elks secondary was absolutely in disarray in that game. And it has been most of the season. Uh, Coverage is missed. They had a play where they blitzed eight guys a guy who's supposed to be taking away the deep pattern, moves up to try to take away a crossing route. There's two guys there. Lucky Whitehead runs by everybody else. He's gone for a long touchdown, and that's just how it went for the defense most of the night. Um, But it's hard to find positives for the Elks in that game. Like I said, other than maybe the first 10 minutes. And even in that, they fumbled a punt and fumbled their first offensive play away and kind of survived and were tied 7-7 after one good drive engineered by Taylor Cornelius who then the rest of that game didn't look very good. I, I I don't know if I would give anybody any aspect of the elks. Well, I wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. Any aspect of that game a passing grade, offense no, defense no, special teams no, coaching no. I, I mean, no, nothing was good enough from the elks in that game. And plus, they were playing a superior opponent to begin with. And away they go. They get pounded. So they're two and six. We talked about the, this four game stretch starting with BC. Now they got Saskatchewan, who has not looked great, but did beat the Elks earlier this season. Saskatchewan is four and four. If the Elks win that game, all of a sudden you're just a winner of a playoff spot because there's going to be a crossover, West going to the east, and then you play Ottawa twice, and the Red Blacks are terrible themselves. They're sitting there at one and seven. So if the Elks are going to try and make this interesting, maybe at least flirt with a playoff spot. It, it starts with a victory over Saskatchewan coming up Saturday night on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. But coming off that game, that was a very discouraging game because you saw, okay, Winnipeg, they, they hung in there. You know They were two or three plays away against the Bombers, even though it turned out to be a 14-point decision. Winnipeg had to put that game away with a late touchdown. And then you go into BC, and like I said, basically halfway through the second quarter, you knew the game was over. It wasn't even overly interesting to to, to keep you listening or keep you watching throughout the entire night. Uh, Chris Jones, head coach and GM, after the game, commented on Nathan Rourke's outstanding play.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's uh, that's about as good a performance as I've ever seen a, a quarterback. I mean, he's you know he's very athletic. Number one, he's calm in the pocket. He can run. He can move around to throw the ball. And uh, and and again, when he does throw it, he's about as accurate as uh, as anybody I've ever seen in this league.
1: Uh, to talk about the other side of the football, offensively, you guys, I thought you kind of survived a, a, a nervous, shaky start with the, with a couple of fumbles early. Got the touchdown. Taylor Cornelius was talking with us earlier, and he just said we just seemed we didn't get any momentum off the touchdown when we tied it at seven.
2: Yeah, you know what? Uh, we just we just didn't seem to ever ever have that second and third play. You know, we would make a play and and then uh, we would shoot ourselves in the foot. You know, on second down or or get behind the sticks a few times and, and put us in situations that weren't manageable. And then when he's moves around, which, again, it's inevitable that a quarterback's going to have to move around, he's going to have to find his check down throw and give that guy a manageable throw to, uh, to you know catch and run. And that would extend some drives. And so we've got a lot of work to do, and uh, you know we've got high character in our room, like I've said before. And these guys are going to continue to work. They're going to continue to scratch, and, and we're going to get there. You had a
1: win in Montreal. You came back. You played pretty well against a, a real good Winnipeg team. How frustrating is it for you to, to have this kind of performance and this kind of a, a, a step back, I guess, a little bit uh, after a bye week when you when you come into BC like yeah, this? Yeah, you
2: know what? We had a lot of people healthy, and we felt really good. I mean, we had an excellent week of practice. Uh, in fact, we had, you know, three really solid days of, uh, of work and then a couple of polished days to, to get ready. And, uh, you know, again, you've got to give them credit. I mean, uh, they, they made the football plays to win the game. I thought we did a decent job stopping the run early, and uh, which made them go to their pass game. But at the same time, I mean, he uh, he did nothing but uh, throw accurate passes for the entire game.
0: Chris, uh, obviously a similar result here in week one. Uh, now it's week nine going into week ten. Do you react any differently uh, from you know going into next week's game compared to you know week one of
2: the season. Well, I mean a lot of people are going to be you know naysayers are going to all be out there. You know, oh God, you know skies falling. And uh, each team, each game is uh, its own yeah. entity. Just like you know with the Winnipeg, the Winnipeg game, and you know we had every opportunity to to win a Calgary game on the road. I mean we've got to finish those tight games, and then we've got to figure out. When things go bad, like early in the game here, how do we how do we respond? And uh, that's the thing that uh, that I've got to try to figure out is how to get them past you know an early mistake because it's inevitable that you're going to make an early mistake, and you got to weather it and uh, and be strong. And you do weather it, and you get some momentum, you get a touchdown, and it's almost like this team has to find a way to
0: reward themselves further instead of, you know, kind of what happened, which was a, a tremendous run.
2: Uh, of offense from the BC Lions in that first to, to second quarter. Yeah, they, they played really good football in the second quarter. And again, we tried to man them up, and th- their guys made plays for him. I mean, he threw very catchable balls where only his guys could uh, could come down with it. And uh, we've got to we've got to do a better job in man. Uh, and at the same time, I've got to mix up the mix up the calls for them and uh, and get them closer to the receivers when we're in zone. But again, they're a good football team. The only team that's beat them is Winnipeg. Um, and so you've got to give them all the credit in the world. You know, I mean, Rick's done a nice job assembling the football team, uh, and and now we've just got to continue to uh, to strive to to get to. Uh to the level of some of these teams like winnipeg calgary and bc i mean they they're good football teams.
1: you turn the page now for the saskatchewan Roughriders next week obviously a check
2: of the standings tells you that's a pretty important football game moving ahead oh yeah i mean again you've got to you've got to look at it and you know we've got to compare records and know that, that we had every opportunity to win that game also at home and ended up uh... shooting ourselves in the foot in the fourth quarter to end up losing the football game but they're a very good football team as well. They should be rested coming off of a bye, so we've got to be smart and get, get them back and uh, look at the things that we did well and look at the things that we didn't do well and, uh, and improve. And, uh, again, each, each week we've just got to start, start winning games. You know, we've got to just uh, look at it like a one-game season. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg,
0: this is The Deal.
1: All right, so that's Chris Jones uh, after the game on Saturday talking to Morley Scott and Dave Campbell. Morley has the Elks this week coming up between 7.30 and 8. Tonight, he mentioned a lot of mistakes. they got to get past the mistakes, and that's what's made it, uh, to me, even more frustrating to watch. There is a talent deficit on the team. They're still searching for a lot of players. They also don't have a lot of cohesion, I don't think, because of all the changes and some of the injuries and then plus, uh, y- y- you got wounds. You got Durant Carter trying to catch a punt over his shoulder when you've made the offense of BC go two and out and on the first drive of the game. You got uh, a time count violation coming out of a-, a punt and a stoppage and plays like that. So still a lot of work to do for the Elks. We may be saying that through most of the season, and, and I think we knew that this was going to be uh, a tough year in which a playoff spot might be extremely difficult, but now three of the games have been uh, have been absolute blowouts. But hopefully we start to see some progress here before the end of the month and going into that Labor Day home-and-home home against Calgary. Here's the deal. I'm happy to talk to you if you own a, televi- uh, a telephone. 780-496-0063 is the number. It's the hotline powered by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. You can follow me on Twitter, at Reid Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And you can email the show, inside sports at 630Ched.com. Ken Holland, the GM of your Edmonton Oilers, who popped on this show last week, shortly after Kyler Yamamoto was signed, was on with staff on orders Now earlier today. We'll throw in a couple of those significant clips as we move along tonight. And uh, airport horror stories. We'll tell you why we're going to be talking about that as we move along. <laughs> Yeah, a WNBA team had to sleep in an airport. We'll have uh, more details on that. And Rob Brown's going to join us with some airport horror stories from his uh, traveling days in the National Hockey League as we move along tonight. All right, 7804960063. We got Gord, I believe, who wants to comment on the 2 and 6 Elks. Gord, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, Gord, you're on, man. Okay. Uh, just kind of a straw pool, uh, watering
2: and
0: the two sports, what's the worst coaches uh, that the Eskimos have hired and the Oilers have hired?
1: Well, I don't know. Who do you think? Uh,
0: Well, uh, the Oilers, I might start with Georgia Burnett. Uh, Eskimos, I don't know. Kay Stevenson, Richie Hall, Jackie Parker. There's some names in
1: there. Yep, there are some tough years with some of those guys. Thanks, Gord. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. We also have Sir Robert on the line. Sir Robert, I haven't talked to you in a few weeks, man. What's going on?
0: Uh, hey, Reed. How you doing? Good. Well, I mean, you know what? I look at the to me, I look at the Elks at 2 and 6 and I say, yeah, okay, that's bad, but I mean, you know what? To me, the to me the Elks are still they're still relatively young, I guess, in a way because uh, because because I mean like uh, there's not a lot of i guess I'd say i mean like uh, I mean like the biggest thing is i mean like for me is that like they're i mean like they're still fairly young at quarterback with the you know Cornelius and Loxley being injured and and whatnot and i i mean to me to, i mean to me uh, honestly uh, I would say it'd be, like the games that the games against against bc are the are the only games where 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 i guess i would say that they that they that they had relatively zero chance of winning early but i mean short of that i mean i think i mean i think they could easily be you know like maybe if you know like a, you know maybe a, a play here or a play there maybe maybe instead of 2 and 6 maybe we're looking at 3 and 5
1: so, yeah, well, I mean, they they lost pretty bad to uh, to Calgary at home in that rain delayed game. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. they could have beat they could have beat Saskatchewan. I, I as absurd as this sounds, they probably should have beat Winnipeg because they had the ball almost the entire first three quarters of the game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and th- yeah. And the well, game the- in Calgary was also a close game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, on that uh, well, and actually, it's funny you mentioned the uh, the game against Winnipeg because. The Winnipeg game was uh, was, uh, was the uh, was is the only game this year in which uh, I actually sat down and watched from start to finish, and honestly, I think I don't think I don't think they lost the Winnipeg game because they played poorly. I think honestly, the Winnipeg game was probably one of their best. I think what hurt them there was is the uh, the lack of uh, the lack of execution at, you know, important times because, I mean, like, there there was times and they were, like, they're, you know, they're moving the ball down the field. You're thinking, okay, you know, to get a touchdown here. Maybe we can, you know, maybe we can build on that. And then, you know, and then it goes from hopes of a touchdown to, oh, settling for three. So, yeah. so. Uh, Calarro's only
1: had seven completions, but two or three of them were great plays, right? So.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, like, so, yeah, I mean, like, that's it. I think, you know what, there's still, there's still a chance for them to, in the playoffs i mean as you said they've got saskatchewan and then they got ottawa twice i mean you know what the season the season's not over in my opinion is it likely is it likely for them in my opinion to be a playoff team out west no i'll say crossover in the east at best but i mean you know what there's a lot of football left there they played eight games they still got 10 left so they're gonna have to see how it goes Sir
1: Robert, thanks for listening, man. We appreciate it. Yep, yeah, uh, tough go for the Elks here. We'll see. The next three weeks, like I've said, are going to be pretty big. Can you at least uh, uh, have uh, you know be show some interest in a playoff spot by the time you're going into Labor Day? All right, uh, Rob Browns coming up. Airport travel horror stories from his days in the NHL.